The sponsor for the month is Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. They've provided resources for churches since 1982 through conferences, books, the Sword in the Trial podcast, video documentaries, online articles found at founders.org, the quarterly Founders Journal, Bible studies, international church search, and the newly launched seminary level training program, the Institute of Public Theology. Founders believes that the biblical faith is inherently doctrinal, and they are therefore confessional in their convictions. You can learn more about Founders Ministries and how to partner with them at founders.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to have a return guest on today. Having him on for a couple reasons. He's going to be going through a job change here in a little bit, so I want to hear a little bit about that, but I also just want to talk books. I want to talk about what he gets to do. And he gets to do some pretty cool things over at the Banner of Truth, which we love. I'm talking to Pat Daly again today. Pat, how's it going, man? Doing well yourself? Doing well. Just loving life, plugging along. And something new in our life, Pat, is we got a wood stove in our house. And so in pastoral ministry, I know you're an elder at your church, correct? Mm -hmm. And so pastoral ministry, pastoral work maybe the same at the banner. I don't know. You might be lifting heavy books all the time. So you might get some manual labor, but I've been getting into some manual labor, doing some stuff, chopping some trees, uh, using a chainsaw and, and collecting firewood for my wood stove. So that's been new and, uh, and been a lot of fun, but uh, just plugging along, man, just, just living life. So, well, okay. Why don't you go ahead and uh, I know that we had you on before, but it's been over a year mm -hmm. ago. And so I'd love to just to bring my listeners up to speed. Tell us a little bit about who you are and then uh, tell us about your family and then tell us what you do. Cause I want to talk banner a little bit before we talk about, you know, what you're going to be doing next, but just bring us up to speed on all that. Sure. Um, my name is Pat Daly. I'm a sinner saved by grace, Canadian by birth. Um, and then I, I'm not really American. I have a green card working in America. Uh, I've worked at the banner of truth for the last almost 10 years. And it's been a privilege to serve this ministry, which is committed to, uh, republishing the best of Christian history, uh, books that we think are the most biblical. I mean, I saw something earlier today and it's like, yeah, we need to be more traditional, like Banner of Truth. And I thought, no, that that's not it. It's not, Banner books aren't helpful because they're traditional. They some Many of them happen to be from the past, but they're helpful because they're biblical and they get at that, I think, at the essence of the Christian life, you know, serious, mm -hmm. robust, deep, vibrant christian living uh that is has a big view of god a low view of man and uh, a high view of our dependence on the spirit so mm. uh, it's been a privilege to work uh, pr promoting books like those uh from anywhere from commentaries to uh christian living resources kids books to um to really about anything uh it's true that banner focuses primarily on producing resources for pastors uh, we actually have pastors conferences as well, but we do also have books for really every Christian reader in your church. Um, so yeah, it's been a joy. Banner is doing well by God's grace. We've had a very busy Christmas season uh, that's now ending, although we're still, we're still shipping out orders now from 
end of the year because we have a nice uh, Christmas break that our staff enjoy uh, over the at the end of a very very busy season in November to December. So we're just getting caught up from that. Uh, but yeah, the Lord's continued to bless the books. I think in this day and age, people are concerned about the state of the church and where it's at. From our vantage point, well, we can really see it. Banner, or who's buying? How many people are buying good reformed literature? And and it seems like it's only increasing year over year. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful by God's grace to have a part in that. I know other publishers are saying the same. They're seeing other good reform publishers are saying similar things. So we praise the Lord for that and. And we mm-hmm. pray that he will use these resources to not just sit on shelves, but to uh, work God's word into our hearts, renew our minds, and give us a bigger vision for how we are, ought to live the Christian life in 2022. Yeah. So. yeah. Amen. Praise God. Now, on top of that, like I already mentioned, you're a, you sit on a session in, at a church locally. So how long have you been, in, uh, been an elder there at the church then? I believe it's four or five years maybe five years so i'm still a fairly fresh elder um uh we now we just brought in some new elders into our session uh, this year so i'm not the newest elder anymore so that's kind of interesting now i'm one of the you know the old guys well you have the gray hair pat so i mean yeah (laughs) you know i don't know if that happened before you became an elder or after you became became, that maybe like the 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 four-year challenge or the 10-year challenge that everybody's doing right now you could have you know, pre-gray hair pat, post-gray hair pat or something. Well, I've been gray since the seventh grade, so oh my. I can't blame it. I like. I would like to blame it on various individuals or experiences, but I can't. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, okay, so are you sitting in the offices right now at Banner Truth? And you're sitting right there. That's an office. That's a whiteboard that's in the Banner yeah. Truth offices. I don't know if your listeners can see, but I'm basically sitting on a throne room of the Banner US. It's like, you know, it's very regal and uh full of uh you know very nice things lots of books <laughs> no i yeah i live in carlisle pennsylvania that's where u.s offices our headquarters are is in edinburgh scotland where most i would say the the heart of the work of banner goes on so editing uh con- really all content and content management working with authors um who are living uh, mm-hmm. reprinting editing production working with printers design all that stuff um we have a board of trustees who really do the theolo- have the theological vision for what we'll publish and then also approve each and every book that comes through there's no there's no book that we publish that the trustees don't approve um so we have a pretty pretty slow careful editorial process which i think the lord has blessed and helped us and it's one of the reasons that by his kindness that we've stayed faithful over the years and and had that same uh laser focus for the past 65 years plus yeah so that that happens over there in edinburgh here in the u.s we um we're mostly sales and marketing distribution most of books banners books go out of here and uh there's a real it's a real as you know kind of a reformed resurgence that is still continuing on in some measure here in the states and in canada um and it's exciting to be a part of it this time yeah, it's so cool. Well, it's neat just to actually see into where you're sitting. It's like, because the banner for me <laughs> is, you know, it's tied into Martin Lloyd-Jones. So I, 2012 for me, I'd been in ministry for about five or six years and then stumbled upon Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'd heard his name around and then, you know, hearing about Ian Murray and then hearing how the banner started and, you know, starting to buy banner books and just loving what 
the banner of truth is done. And somehow over the years, I'd heard this. I don't know if you said this, or maybe I heard it somewhere. Uh, banner publishes books that need to be published, not books that, that, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, licking your finger and trying to figure out the wave of, of popular Christian opinion here. It's, it's mm-hmm. books that need to be printed. And I love yeah. that. I mean, I love what you're doing. So, I mean, you're not, you know, going around trying to find the next mega pastor who's, who's going to convert his sermon series into a book, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the more, one of the interesting parts of what I get to do uh, at Banner is you go visit different bookstores across America and you introduce them to new books coming down the pipe. And some of the faces you see from Christian bookstores, when you're trying to explain why, why we're reprinting this book by, um, you know, Thomas Charles or, or, uh, you know, John Flavel or, uh, you know, men who, who even in the reform world, I mean, Flavel is well known, but even in the reform world, these men are not known very well, some of the books that we're publishing. And so I have to explain to them. Now they know, many of them know the banner, so they trust, they trust that, look, when the banner chooses one of these books, it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because of the content. It's because not only the excellency of the content, but the kind of the spirituality of it, that it's very Christ-focused and uh, convict- convicting. Mm-hmm. So they, we've, over time, slowly built up that reputation of being focused on excellent books. So, so most bookstores, they'll, they'll look at it right away and say, it's prob- I've never heard of this, but it's probably going to be good because it's from Banner of Truth. And we're thankful for that. Um, and that, that's the work. That's obviously God's grace, but also the work of men many, many decades before my time mm-hmm. kind of brought us, gave us that, uh, that reputation. But, but yeah, yeah. You, you're sometimes introducing people to books. They're like, really? This? Why this? And right. there's, there's usually a reason. Yeah. This author, I can't go on podcast right now. So what, what's going on? I can't get this flavor book and on. Yeah. And, and where, where's his weekly podcast? Uh, exactly. So love it. Okay, now we're going to turn the corner a little bit and spend a bulk of our time talking about this. So right now is a time when people are having big conversations about moving, about trying to find new states to live in, in, you know, red state, blue state conversations. I live in Illinois, and Illinois has one of the biggest populations of, of people moving out of Illinois to other states for like the last 10 years. We've been leading the charge, like California and Illinois. It's back to, you know, we're like the top two states that nobody wants to live in. And yet we're here and we're going to be here, we think, with, you know, by God's grace, long with a long haul. I mean, God can certainly do something different. But there's a lot of guys in pastoral ministry that are transitioning from one job to another or praying about what are we going to do? You know, they're talking with their wife and it may be a difficult situation they're in, or it may be a really healthy situation, but they're trying to navigate change. Ministry has always been like this. Very rare for somebody today to pastor a church for 30 years, 40 years. Most likely there's going to be some transition times. Now you're an elder and you've got this great gig at the banner. And yet there's some, something that happened where, yeah, you know, you're going to be, you know, moving on. So how, how did you guys navigate that? How do you go about you know, being in a good spot and then praying, God, is this maybe something that you are wanting us to do? And then how do you discern that? Yeah, people are wondering, is this, oh, this guy's an idiot? What is he doing? <laughs> right. And and I sometimes I wonder, but um, well, yeah, it's an interesting question. I would say just initially, based on some of the words you said, and I know you're just trying to preface a conversation that I I had probably zero political thinking in this i think as christians you know christ says my kingdom is not as of this world 
Uh, we're not, if we're going to be in a very difficult political space uh, with kids or with, um, you know, raising a family with taxes, with different governors and their policies, I don't see in the New Testament any call to avoid those difficulties. Uh, so I wouldn't make any decisions about moving and, and new opportunities based on difficulty. Often, I think in, in our modern day, we, we often associate difficulty with discipline. Like, this isn't good. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have this difficulty. I must get out of it. Rather than looking, you know, maybe zooming out a bit and asking, what is the Lord doing through this? Why is he bringing this trial? It might be to help me. It might be to correct me. It might be to show me the opportunity. So I don't think we should flee adversity. Let me say that. And certainly in my decision, uh, which I would, I would describe as one of the harder decisions of my life, uh, there, there's none of that. Now, I'm, I'm, I live in central Pennsylvania. Uh, Lord willing, in the summer, I'll be moving to Greenville, South Carolina. So there, these, are, these are conservative places. Uh, so again, that, that wasn't a part of any of my decision-making, um, for me, and it, it's difficult to still kind of digest what happened, but, um, I, th I think at the end of it, it just, Sinclair Ferguson talks about, well, I mean, you'll, you'll be familiar with a number of people who talk about a sense of call. So mm -hmm. we often use the talk of a sense of call referring to gospel ministry. And I, and I refer to that as like uppercase C call, like the call of the spirit on a man's life to devote himself to gospel ministry. There's an internal call, which is that sense of, yes, God's preparing me to this and he's urging me towards this. And then there's external call, which is those who are around you to kind of, um, who, who see the gifts and then also encourage you. And, and usually in a, in a man preparing potentially for ministry, it's important that there's an internal and an external call. Although I have a, not a pedestal is maybe the wrong word, but I have a, a preeminence for that understanding of call. I do think that Christians at a, at a lower level outside of gospel ministry should be called to things. Um, they do feel like, yes, by doing this, I will be better able to serve the Lord. I'll be, it'll be better spiritually for my family. It will be, you know, I think, I think that has to be the paradigm that we, that we're thinking through. I, I wouldn't really be interested in any other way of thinking about it so mm -hmm. hey i'm gonna get more money over here that's not necessarily a bad thing but the most important question as a christian father or as a young man or i'm obviously i can only speak to my context and in a single lady i'm sure in the same way how will this move enable me to grow in grace more and to serve the church better like th these must be our primary questions if they're not I would slow down. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would ask those. So in, in, again, in my sense, I guess at the end of the day, when I decided to accept the position at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary to serve as their vice president, although it took me a long time to get to that point because I'm so blessed by such a great ministry at Banner. At the end of the day, I felt convicted that the needs there uh, were greater and the perhaps the opportunity for me to use my abilities matched better, and that and that perhaps if the Lord uh, blesses it, I can do more there for the kingdom. Now that that's a very difficult that's a very difficult thing to say because I think we often have a very 
narrow view of what you know what the lord is doing um right he he orchestrates these things from eternity past and so i want to be very slow to say this is the lord's you know definitely what he wants me to do But, but at the same time i do think as we as we navigate these difficult decisions we are trying to ask that question. What would the mm-hmm. Lord have me do? What, yeah, right. what would be, what would be the best for the kingdom? And there's going to be, I think when you're wrestling through these things, people are going to land in different places. Mm-hmm. Someone in my exact same situation may have decided to stay, continue to minister. It's such a great ministry at the banner of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone might say, no, it, you know, there's an opportunity here at the seminary. Their needs are great. They're, they're asking for you to come, go, go help, go serve. Um, but I, and so I don't know if the outcome is, is as important as the way that we wrestle with it. I mm-hmm. think, I think if long as Christians are wrestling with these things in a, in a biblical frame of mind, the, you know, the, it's going to be good. There's going to be net gains across the yeah. church. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I think that's, that is difficult when you're asking, you know, what would God have me do? A few years back, Kevin DeYoung wrote a book, just do something talking about, the commandments of the Lord and not trying to find the specific will of God in every single situation where we have commandments and principles in God's word, where we can obey him and honor him with the work of our hands. And you have that truth of, you know, wherever, wherever the Lord has you work with, with, with all your might for his glory and honor. Uh-huh. And he sees what we do. And then there's these opportunities that come where it, the question does pop up. Okay, God, I can honor you in either place. I can honor you as you would have me in either place. And yet it does seem like there's a door opening here that uh-huh. you're calling me to go through. And, and it's tough to get words to kind of grapple on how that, when you use the word calling, how that internal call for ministry or an internal call into an area, it's hard to grasp with what, what is that? And why do I feel such a strong pull in this direction or a strong pull to stay here? And, you know, with, with, uh, you know, my charismatic friends, it's just, well, that's the Holy Spirit telling you exactly what to do. And, and yet I think experientially, you know, those who have differing understandings of the gifts of the spirit and, and the continuation of all the work of the spirit, we all believe that there are going to be seasons in life where we have to be seeking the Lord and knowing God, I want to do what you've called me to do specifically, like specifically here. And then clearly, you know, we make decisions and you know, we don't look back. We make decisions and then get to work and honor the Lord with our work. But those are tough to navigate. Right. I, w- I wish decision making was a whole lot easier sometimes, right? Where yeah, yeah. it was just, hey, Pat, here's exactly what you're supposed to do, man, uh, would, would be nice. Well, we all want that, don't we? And there were times in the past year and a half for me that I was begging for the neon sign to come from the clouds and 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 clarify things for me you know i read a lot of books on well sinclair ferguson's discovering god's will uh you spoke to a lot of counselors men i respect pastors elders um you know spoke a lot with my wife i wanted we wanted as obviously i'm called to lead my family but at the same time nobody knows me better than my wife and one of the questions i asked her several times was i don't is it when, we, when we're discerning God's call, I really want to go because I feel that there's a, like, there's a need, there's a call, it's for the Lord. I don't want to go for selfish reasons. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to run away from anything. I don't want to go uh, because I believe erroneously likely that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. So 
conversations with her about what what did she think what did she think was was driving me in this in this direction um and then my in my particular instance i didn't go looking for this uh because i was so satisfied and, and challenged at banner but it kind of came looking for me and and over you know different people over a course of time that eventually kind of just stuck in my head as yeah i really perhaps i should take this seriously pray about it and and then we went from there so let's say lots of counsel nothing rash um and and I, I do think I, I am hopeful that, you know, by God's grace, I've had 10 really great years at Banner, but I'm hopeful that the next guy who comes in to, to lead the, the office has, you know, they're going to have different gifts, different skill sets, and they will complement and fix areas where I was weak. I mean, no man is sufficient for <laughs> these things and, and no, no one person has everything. We all, you know, I think Ryle says we should never imitate any Christian hero in every area um, for we would, you know, be greatly um, just missing out on all these other aspects of the Christian life. And we're all mm -hmm. like there. I I know because God is good and he's 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 faithful to his children that he has given me certain strengths, certain things mm -hmm. that I'm good at. I know what those are. I also know the things that I'm weak at. So. I'm excited that after 10 years, a new person could come in and, and pick up on the stuff that I've, that I have not done a very good job with. So I, yeah. I, you know, there's, there's some, some would say that organizationally it's helpful to have, to not have the same person forever, mm -hmm. but at the same time, at the same, you know, you mentioned people don't pastor uh, at churches for a long time anymore. And I think that's true. I will say, and this is maybe speaking against what I've just done. <laughs> when you know, I do know a number of churches that have had a prolonged faithful ministry of 20, 30, 40 years, and they do seem to be healthy churches. So mm -hmm. the Lord does seem to bless that. Um, and I think if, if, as long as we don't feel called, I mean, that it's, it comes down to a call, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but which is hard to discern, but you know, if, if you feel like the Lord's blessing you there and, there's more work to be done and, and more great, you know, you can just see it. Why would you, why would you walk away from that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Unless you feel like this new opportunity, there's even more opportunity to do work for the God. But again, yeah. these are hard things. These are, these are hard things to, to wrestle with. And there's no wonder that there's so many books written about it because people struggle. Right. They struggle with these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think pastors do as well. And, you know, that's our hope, Pat, like our hope is to be here. We've been here. I grew up in Southern Illinois went to school in East Tennessee, moved back, met my wife who grew up locally. And now my whole family moved to Missouri and we're here. We're like the only ones left. And mm -hmm. this is home. I mean, we, we think that we're going to be here long for the long haul. Again, you know, as you know, it's God's prerogative. He can do what he wants, but we want to be here for the long haul. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And we're hoping to be, you know, 20, 30 years down the road in that category of churches that you just described where there's health and then the church can get planted beyond me and our first wave of elders that, that the church yeah. lasts well beyond us at 200 years from now you know if if christ is not returned that 200 years from now the church is uh in our city there's more christians in our city than there are today you know in our region mm -hmm. than there are today um so now yeah. you have experienced though this in this internal call that's been affirmed and you're you're sitting as an elder when you go to to greenville are you do you have a church that you're going to serve with uh, how are you going to fulfill that calling as well and uh, into pastoral ministry I and mean, how's that going to look for you 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, thankfully, Greenville is spoiled rotten with good churches. Um, and our family won't have a problem uh, settling into a, a good church. Again, I think in people wrestling with, should I move, should I do this? If they're not confident that there's a good church where they're going to land, I, I would just question their thought process right away. Mm -hmm. If it was like a healthy biblical thought process. If you're thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity. I love this line of work. Oh, I haven't even looked into the churches. I'll just figure it out when I get there. I would, yeah. Again, I would say, I would say you've got it on backwards. Um, you're not thinking about this from a healthy perspective. Uh, now, we, I lived in Greenville when I went to seminary there. I went to the, the same seminary I'm going to work at is where I graduated from with an MA okay. in theology in 2012. So I'm familiar with the area and the health of the churches. And we have a pretty strong inclination of where we'll land. Uh, but we will we will visit and, and see what the Lord's doing. I think it would be even just nice to visit. You, I, our family is of the opinion that once you get plugged in, you're there every mm -hmm. Sunday. We don't visit other places, even if there's a guest preacher in town who, who would <laughs> right. you know he would love you know like oh I would love to go hear him. Um, even with that, we uh, we stay because part of going to the church is not just worshiping but fellowshipping with your brethren and you know, bearing their burdens and evangelizing the lost who come through the door. And um, so how, how can we not be a part of that fellowship on a, on a Lord's Day by Lord's Day basis? Yeah. But we'll, we'll look around um, and then, yeah, we'll see what the Lord does. I think obviously I feel called to serve as an elder and I've been thankful for having that opportunity, but a con congregations call their elders, you know, I'm not, I can't show up like a bishop and just say I've been appointed to this church. So, right. um, you know, you know, here I am and, and I'm your new elder, you know, we're not, I'm not an Episcopalian. Um, although I'm sure some reformed Episcopalians would not like that summary of what they believe, but uh, the idea that this conviction that a church calls our elders. So we'll see what the, what the church calls, um, you know, was it Lloyd Jones? Lloyd-Jones was asked when he was kind of on his deathbed, he was no longer filling public ministry. You know, is, do you miss it? Do you miss preaching? Don't you must miss it or something along those lines. And he said, no, like, I'm just happy to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Like I'm good. a Christian, I'm a Christian first. And you know, but God called me to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. It's like, I'd be, I'd be happy. If a church doesn't call me to be an elder, I'd be happy just to be there in the pew and, and to be, um, sitting under the word and practicing hospitality and living out all the commands of fellowship and, and church life. If that church calls me to serve as an elder, what am, my will is my life is not my own. You know? mm -hmm. Then at that point I, I would likely consider it. But um, I do think it's wise in a new church setting to get it to be established, uh, build relationships, to build rapport with the people that you might one day lead i think people mm -hmm. when they know that they that you love them they're much more less likely to listen to you i think that's just biblical wisdom through and yep. through so we're, we will we'll be in no rush for any of that but we recognize that um again i talked in my in my quest to figure out what what we should do as a family in the last year i did speak to many people and some people i asked them like well why have you stayed and why have you gone and why did you do this and trying to get to the root like to the root of what why what motivates people to do you know there's, there's just a variety of different answers and 
again, I wanted to get past comfort. Like some people are less risk averse. Some people are more risk averse. Some mm -hmm. people are like, I just don't want to do that because I don't know what's going to happen with that. Mm -hmm. Or I'll, I want it. Or on the other side, I want to do that because I just want a sense of adventure. So I'm, I, I recognize I'm a little more on the adventurous side, right? So people who say, well, I'm not moving because I don't want to go through like the, like, I just don't know what's on the other side. So I, I'm just not like, well, again, like this isn't our home. So don't, don't get all nestled into your little, you know, your little neighborhood and your, and your little cave of, of comfort. Like that's not the point. The point is what should we be doing for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And regardless of my personality, I need to try to take that out of the equation, but it's very hard to do that. It's very yeah. hard to do that. Right. Um, I think uh, was Ian Hamilton, uh, Scottish pastor, uh, said there's no, I mean, maybe he's quoting somebody and I'm, I'm not aware of that, but I often hear him saying there's no theology without psychology. And so I believe what he's saying by that. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not imputing an improper meaning, but it's very hard for us to take ourselves out of our theology. And we should be humble enough to sense that uh, my own personal inclinations could be driving this more than I'm aware of. And yet in the quest to figure out what to do, I think it's helpful to try to take our, as much as we can identify our own personal inclinations and try to take them out and say, no, 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 it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, if, if we have to move and uproot from this very comfortable setting, because in the end, like where we are in, in Banner in Carlisle is very, very comfortable, great Christian school, great church where I can serve, great neighborhood. All these things are, why would we walk away from that other than feeling a sense of call that this is what the Lord's prepared for us and we should go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, which you've got to, um, you know, I would rather, um, we, we just want to obey, right, Pat? We want to obey mm -hmm. the Lord and yeah. and do the best we can to discern what he would have us do and then do it. And, and I think that's good and commend you to do that. You know, this isn't you running away from something. And I think that's a very important principle as well is that, you know, we're, we're going, you know, if God calls us somewhere out from where we are, let, let it not be because we're trying to escape and, and run from something right. without things being done in the proper way as God would have us. Right. Okay. Let, let's turn a corner one more time. I'm going to give you the last word here. You're, you got pastors on the hook here. What do you, you know, as an elder, what do you want to, and working with banner, working with pastors all the time, what do you want to say to pastors by way of encouragement before we wrap this up? Um, send your students to Greenville Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm Baptist, um, dude. Like let, uh, we'll take, we take all, all sorts. We'll take them. <laughs> Don't you want Baptists to get the best theological education too? Come on. Yeah. Um, see that in what, what Presbyterians say is that like, is they you know the baptists go out and they evangelize and then uh and then the presbyterians go to the baptist churches and, and get all of them <laughs> yeah we well the river only flows downhill so uh eventually they'll become presbyterian in the end no um many of them do not all most of them. um no well i guess i am thinking about theological education a lot recently because of this this call to go to greenville and to raise up the next generation of pastors. I think, I think if I'm speaking to pastors right now and I have to think of one thing off the top of my head, it would be, you know, consider who the Lord is raising up in your church into the next generation of, of, of ministers of the gospel and ask the question, like, how are you pouring into them and kind of equipping them, helping them, uh, giving them feedback, 
Like, how are you investing in gospel ministry in the future? We, we know we like our 401ks and we like our retirement savings fund. We like to think a lot about that. But in terms of a gospel investment, you know, who's coming after you? Where are you sending them? And why are you sending them there? Or, you know, a lot, I know it's, it's kind of popular now to, to do everything online. Um, you know, that's another discussion of is long distance theological education online a helpful thing? I definitely think it's, it's, a, it's something that's possible and in certain situations can help. But, um, you know, that could get right down the rabbit trail. There's very differing opinions on that. I think I almost want to say I'm in the minority now that I think sending someone off, getting out of their comfort zone, going off to a seminary, staying accountable to that church, being plugged into a good church there that models a good church life is actually having theological instruction in the class with their professors, with classmates who are of like mind, sharpening one another, is something that is worth investing in. And it is worth, our, like our churches should be willing to to do this because I think it produces a better it's a better theological training experience not just theologically the, the, the information biblical information going into our heads but just the the practical you know uprooting yourself and going I mean that yeah. if that's kind of a summary about what a pastor they you know they're called and they go mm -hmm. um, now uh, I, I'm not it's not the only way but I think it's something to think about and for pastors to on a more at a deeper level though i think pastors just should be thinking about how are you raising up the next five elders in your church you know what are you doing like are you doing a book club are you how do you discern their gifts um are you doing anything to discern their gifts i think this is you know we we will all be replaced one day um i'm reminded of that in my time at banners coming to an end but there were there were men who labored so long ahead of me some i some i don't even remember their names over in the uk but they were a part of something that built into something much greater than them. And every church is the same way. They have a pastor, they have an elder who will come and go. They won't always be there, but who's coming next. We, we must, we must have an eye to the future. And <laughs> this is a banner truth guy saying this um, mm -hmm. in the sense, and not in the sense of the future's um, uh, principles, but recognizing that uh, if the Lord tarries, we we need to be like paul and raise up yeah. you know good a few good men yeah. and uh and men who are spiritual oh please men who are spiritual not men who are capable uh it's such a common misunderstanding people have a, a spiritual interest in others you know who who are the most who are there who are at the services happy and holy and who are greeting people and talking mm -hmm. about their souls these are your future elders that's, that's who good. they are how do you equip them theologically? The guy who loves to read Burkhoff and Bovink endlessly is not necessarily qualified to be an elder. Right. Um, so that's good. Well, Pat, I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun just catching up and, and hearing what's going on in your life and also with a banner and, and what's next for you. Why don't you go ahead and give us uh, some direction a little bit. You're there for six more months. You guys have actually helped us out. We've done some book giveaways with you the last few years and my listeners really enjoy you. I really enjoy the banner of truth. So why don't you go to skip, give us a plug where we can find more information about the banner and about the new seminary sure. you're going to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. I'll Lord willing be working at banner till the end of the summer and then I'll be transitioning to Greenville Presbyterian theological seminary. You can learn more about it. GPTS.edu. 
Bannertruth, uh, you can bannertruth.org. If you just type in Bannertruth on a smartphone or on a computer, you'll find us either our social media sites or our website. It all kind of shoots back to our website, which is the best place to learn about what's coming out. Conferences, we're about to start making some noise online about our pastor's conference in end of May, Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, if you've never come to a banner conference, this would be a good year to do it because you never know when what year will be your last. And it is a just a, it is just a joy. Uh, Lord willing, I plan to continue to attend banner conferences uh, as a as an elder attending, not as a staff member. I'm looking forward to that. They really are special times where you can rest and sit under the word. If you're a pastor and you're only pouring into people, you must ask yourself, how do I, how am I finding ways to be poured into? I mean, there's a reason why so many pastors burn out. So in mm -hmm. most churches will invest in this and will give you some kind of uh, travel leave or study leave. If they don't, I would still consider you using some of your vacation time. And if it's a financial burden, just reach out to me, pat at bannertruth.org, and we can help you out. We don't want anyone to not be able to attend our conferences because of any kind of financial stress. Um, so yeah, bannertruth.org. Uh, awesome. See what's coming. Thanks. Okay. Well, thanks so much, guys. We've been talking to Pat Daly. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it, brother. Always good to talk.